0: So the key verse in Colossians has been Christ in you, the hope of glory. And sometimes we get uh, a little confused about who that person is that's supposed to be reigning in our lives, sitting on that throne. Who is this Christ that lives within us? And I know that there's a lot of folks that uh, have a lot of uh, beliefs, philosophies, things that they think of. ideas man's traditions and those things become the thing that sit upon the throne and those things um instead of maybe saying well i'm i'm a preacher and there's lots of ideas that come along with that i I start putting my idea being a preacher instead of saying i'm a christ follower first and you can put whatever your ideology is and your some of your thoughts whether it's a relativism or pragmatism i can't even say all the isms but uh you can put it there, and uh, you could say that those things start usurping the throne of Christ. And uh, when we do that, we end up in trouble. And uh, so I I just, uh, before I get started here, just have this song I want to sing for you guys. And uh, this is on the fly, so uh, the guys back there don't know about it. We'll see what happens. And... uh, uh, it's it's a song that um, I try to name everybody in the song, uh, so I could offend everybody all at once, and uh, and I think I managed it, but I may have left a few out. So if I left yours out, you can just go ahead and put yours in, and I, my name's in there several times, so uh, I could step on my own toes too. I know how to do that, and uh, need to lay aside what we think. And just let Christ sift through it. Let him dictate to us what we need to think. Because sometimes it just gets in the way. Politicians, morticians, Philistines, homophobes, skinheads, deadheads, tax evaders, street kids, alcoholics, workaholics, wise guys, dim wits, blue collars, white collars, warmongers, peace nicks. Breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Suicidals, rock idols, shut-ins, drop friendless, homeless, penniless, depressed, presidents and residents and foreigners and aliens, dissidents, feminists, xenophobes and chauvinists. Breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. The police, obese, lawyers, governments, sex offenders, tax collectors, war vets, rejects, atheists, scientists, racists, and sadists, photographers, biographers, artists, pornographers. Breathe deep. Breathe deep the breath of God. Breathe deep. Breathe deep the breath of God. gays and lesbians, the demagogues and thespians, the disabled preachers, doctors and teachers, meat eaters, wife beaters, judges and juries, long hairs, no hairs, everybody everywhere. Breathe deep. Breathe deep the breath of God. Breathe deep. Breathe deep the breath of God. Breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Lord, I just uh, pray in these next few moments that we would lay aside maybe those isms and ologies and thoughts and traditions of men and that we've kind of placed our identity in. And Lord, that we'd be able to set those aside and put them before you for you to sort through and ask if there are things that we need to hang on to or let go of. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So who is this Christ, this Messiah who is in us? He's Jesus and he is Lord. For Christ followers, this is not only a statement of a personal commitment or a personal devotion to a specific way of life, but it is also a statement of sincere belief that Jesus, in fact, is Lord of the world. He's Lord of all things. It's what we have read about last week in Colossians chapter 1. But most Christ followers know that when they make the statement, Jesus is Lord, that it is offensive to most of the world, and it flies in the face of most thinking philosophies and worldviews today. Yet, we cannot deny what we know to be true. And when we say, Jesus is Lord... We don't say it lightly. Most of us have already counted the cost. And we know what it will cost when we say that. In the second chapter of Colossians, uh, the book that we've been going through for this series, there's encouragement and warning for those of us who have claimed Jesus as Lord. And It says this, chapter, six, uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Sometimes, sometimes we have unknowingly taken in ways of thinking. We, we didn't know any better. I mean, it's what our teachers taught us in school. We didn't know it was secular humanism. We, just, we were just soaking it up. We were just little kids and trying to please our teachers. We didn't know how to sort through it at the time. But now we're adults, most of us, and it's time for us to begin looking at it. Sometimes we succumb to philosophies that tried to unseat Jesus as Lord of our life. Sometimes we're unaware of patterns of thinking that are based on human tradition rather than on the principles of Christ. We just didn't realize it. We didn't realize it until we allowed Jesus to come into our lives as Lord. And all of a sudden, he's starting to make us aware of these things. Things that we didn't notice before. Sometimes it maybe even kind of make us uncomfortable. Sometimes some of these ways of thinking have got a bigger hold on us than we realize. We've been taken captive by them. Hedonism. Some people don't even know what it is, but it's just I'm doing and pursuing what feels good. Do you know some people that have that philosophy of life? It dictates all their decisions that they make. <coughs> narcissism. Some people laugh about that, but there's really some people that it, this is, controls them. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically you're in a conversation with somebody and it's like this. Well, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? <laughs> That's narcissism in a nutshell right there for you. And sometimes you see that come out in people. And they don't even realize it's driving them. Just the universe is centered around them. Or maybe it's ways of thinking that subversively challenge your ability to continue living in Christ and being rooted in him. Maybe it's skepticism. Maybe it's relativism. Maybe it's nihilism. Maybe it's naturalism. It could even be ways of thinking that may not be contrary to Jesus and his kingdom, but because Jesus isn't in lordship of those ideas, it's thinking that gets out of whack. Maybe pragmatism, environmentalism, globalism. I could list about a hundred other isms. But here is some basic understanding of maybe how you and I operate with our thinking and how we can maybe submit that to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of the way I think. Each of us in this world starts taking in and observing what's been given to us in this world. Uh, basically, we've we got the given. you got earth, sky, sea, life, death. We observe it. We deserve survival, the cycles of the seasons. We try to make sense of what's been given to us in this life. In Romans, in, in, in a biblical perspective, God says that by what's created, we should have enough to put a few things together to figure out that there is one God. and He designed and holds all things together. But, as is the case, when we get into our own thinking, we try to put things together in a way that makes sense to us. And we try to figure out this life. And as we try to make sense of this world we live in, we start formulating a system of thought or a set of beliefs and ideas that usually fall into ten basic categories. Now, different people will argue which of those categories are. But most of them will say it's some of these things. Sociology, law, politics, economics, history, theology, philosophy, ethics, biology, psychology. Most of us say, I didn't know I had thoughts about that. Well, you do. And it may be just in a real basic and simple form. Each of us has some of those thoughts, however simple or complex, about each of these areas of life. And you can say, I'm a human being, but you also might be able to say, well, I'm a theological being. I'm a philosophical being. I'm an ethical being. Or I'm a biological, psychological, economical, his- historical being. Because you have thoughts about these things. And the combination of these thoughts in these different areas are what combine is what we call a worldview. A worldview. From our worldview springs what we then value or don't value. Maybe we value truth. Maybe we value health. Maybe we value happiness, wealth, life, whatever it may be. And then what springs from values is usually what we see on the surface of people's lives, kind of above the watermark. It's what we see. It's the behavior. And if you want to know why somebody behaves differently or acts differently from you, just ask them a few why questions. Ask them a few why. Why, why? You know what? They'll start telling you things. They'll start pulling out things that come from beneath the surface of behavior. And I'll tell you some of what they value. And what will also come out is some of what their v- worldview, some of their beliefs, and their systems of thinking that will come out. You know, some of these things are, are really basic. There's a stage in your life as a kid that you actually start forming a lot of these questions, uh, these answers to why. Because, you, you know, as a kid, why why is the grass green? Why is the sky blue? Why? Why? And your parents, they start scratching their heads. And they go, well, I don't know. And that's, and that's why there's so many young families. They come back to church because they're going, I'm trying to answer my kids' questions about death, about life, about everything in the world. And that I keep on having to come back to, to God and to, to theological things. And, 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 I, or, you know, and there's other folks that choose other places that they go to. But it, you go back to it. And that's where it begins, when we start forming that. So, And over time, you start forming your worldview. And sometimes it becomes really solid. And sometimes it's something that just kind of flows with the wind. But about 200 years ago, you could find probably only maybe three to four major worldviews. I say major worldviews. There were other minor ones out there. But most people group themselves into those three or four major worldviews. But with the advances of transportation, communication, uh, we've done a whole lot of um, mix and matching. And you can find six major worldviews in the Western world now, and six major worldviews in the Eastern world. Ideas, thoughts, philosophies, traditions, they're endless. They are endless. But here is where Jesus steps in, okay? When a person believes and confesses Jesus as Lord, Jesus says, As the one who created all things and holds all things together... I want you to see the world as I see it. All those things that I've given to you in this life and in this world, I want you to see it how I see it. I know that you thought you had most of this stuff figured out, but your vision has been limited. Your vision is limited. Sometimes impaired as a finite human being. And this is how I made the world. And this is how I want you to understand it and to perceive it. You know, the majority of the view that we find in the Bible and God's word is, uh, is when we look at Christ and what he says about our, how he made this world. And that's what Jesus says to every person who calls him Lord. He says, I want to take control of what you think and how you perceive, perceive things. And before you know it, And before you know it, a person who's really submitting themselves to Jesus Christ, whether they were born in a culture in South America, Western Africa, or Southeast Asia, they begin to have their worldview transformed by Jesus and his word and his ways. That's what happens when we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. The guy in communist Albania begins thinking differently about economics because Jesus spoke about the stewardship of property. And he starts questioning what he was taught what he thought in school the woman psychologist in mystical Thailand begins to think twice about collective consciousness and Pavlovian behaviorism and begins considering the dual nature of humans because she now after reading Romans and Ephesians and submitting her life she recognizes her own struggle with her own sin nature and the new nature Christ has put into her and she realizes there's a battle The secular humanist in Nigeria who turns to Jesus submits her incompleteness theories and mystical evolution begins taking another look at special creation. That there is someone behind everything that is seen and designed it in a specific way. The apathetic American citizen who never cared for politics when he submits his worldview to Jesus as Lord, he begins to have a growing desire to see justice and freedom and order in his city, in his state, in his country. You see, when you say Jesus is Lord, he doesn't just ask to have control over your heart and your behavior. He just doesn't ask control over your theological thinking part of your life. When Jesus wants lordship over your life and all of it, he means it. Some of you heard that, that old hymn, that song, I surrender three-fourths. I surrender half, a little bit to Jesus. I surrender, I surrender some. Is that the way it goes? No, it's all. Most of us know what all means. It's just hard for us to give all and let it go. It's difficult to allow Jesus to sift through every thought Every idea, every principle, every tradition. But this is another part of that whole theme we've been talking about this year. Surrender. Surrender. Allow him to sift through those things. In the scriptures, it says that we demolish arguments. And every, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every, every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Do you have ideas? Do you have thoughts or principles that are against the ways of Jesus? It's time to take some some mental floss and go through those thoughts and have the Lord lasso those things and put them before Jesus and ask Him, Jesus, is this idea, is this an idea that's in alignment with you and your ways? Or is it, incompatible with you and your kingdom please let me know please let me know Lord and I believe that if you honestly do that if you honestly do that with your thoughts your ideas your principles your traditions and you put them before the Lord that he will let you know he will let you know as you search the scriptures and you in prayer lay that out before him surrender it to him I believe it Shannon that idea is in alignment with me and my kingdom you can keep that one but Shannon This one over here, that's dead set against me. It's got to go. It's got to be demolished. Submit every thought to him. Just like you submit everything for inspection when you travel by an airline. And the Lord, by his spirit, can help you detect thoughts, ideas, and philosophies that you shouldn't travel with on this journey with Christ. What we're talking about here is letting the word of Christ penetrate your intellects Your emotions, your attitudes in such a way that your past, your network of relationships, your work, your thought patterns, your mental processes are given a new direction toward Jesus Christ. See, when you become a Christian, it's just not putting on a certain belief and a certain behavior. It's Jesus Christ coming into the center of your life, the the hub of your life, and rearranging the whole direction of your life. It's not that he changes who you are and your personality, although sometimes he does work on those things in our personality. You still remain you, but everything is redirected when Jesus is Lord, when he's sitting on the throne. That is, that is, if you said, Jesus, you are my Lord. Now I know for some of you, maybe this is kind of a frightening proposal to submit every idea, every way of thinking and principle to Jesus and his word. You're afraid, you're afraid that if Jesus is Lord over every thought and everything that you're going to become a little cookie cutter Christian. You're afraid of that. I know, I know, and that's a a real fear. It's all right. And you're afraid that if you hold to the truth and the assertion that Jesus is Lord over all the world, that you'll become an intolerant bigot. You're afraid of that. Well, can I just take a moment to address those fears and those myths? Just for a little bit. First, first thing, just first big overarching thought here for you. Is we're following Jesus. That's Christ's follower. That's what it means in, in Christianity. We're, we're going to follow him. Now Was Jesus cookie cutter? No. He wasn't cookie cutter at all. No way. He was pretty original. Now was Jesus, was he an intolerant bigot? No way. No way. Jesus made some big claims about himself and who he was. But man, his focus was on everybody around him. He had an amazing love. He said, I came to serve, not to be served. See, megalomaniacs don't say that kind of thing. You see, we're not following a cookie cutter, intolerant bigot. We're following Jesus, and we're supposed to be like him, right? All right, here are some other thoughts and some other questions that might come into your mind that are based on human principles and traditions, setting themselves up against this, this Jesus is Lord, and they may come as fears for you. But maybe, here's a question, maybe when you say Jesus is Lord, maybe a question comes into your head like this, well, how can that be right when so many others in this world think differently? How can Jesus be Lord when so many others think differently? Now, lasso that thought. Lasso it, take it captive, and set it before Christ. And say, Jesus, what do you think about this? And here's what I, what I, think, what I think he would say. So does the plausibility of the truth claim, Jesus Lord, depend on how much social support it receives? No. If, if I believe in a heliocentric solar system, I, I, I believe that, that everything rotates around the sun but I live in a society of fervent geocentrists who believe everything revolves around the earth, it's going to be uncomfortable for me. But it's not an indicator of the truth or the falsity of the beliefs in question. Social support, it doesn't matter. That's That's not a part of whether something is true or not. Jesus is Lord. Hmm. Well, aren't we all saying the same thing, but just in different languages? I mean, aren't Muslim, Hindus, and, and and Buddhists, and aren't we all just saying the same thing, but it's just in different languages? You know what? There were some major corporations in the 90s in the United States that thought the same thing. And so they were trying to uh, communicate their product and sell them. And, uh, like Coors Light, they had this slogan, turn it loose. And uh, when that was translated into, uh, or what they thought was translated correctly, but the way people perceived it in Hispanic countries was, suffer from diarrhea. <laughs> Coors Light, turn it loose. Pepsi. Pepsi thought they were communicating, come alive with the Pepsi generation to the Taiwanese but what they found out, what the Taiwanese were understanding when they read that was, uh, Pepsi will bring your ancestors back from the dead. <laughs> Come alive. KFC. KFC once had a slogan. It takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. They didn't realize in another culture, this was understood as, it takes a sexually stimulated man to make a chicken affectionate. You know what? You can say that all religions are saying the same thing, but really, I think that's pretty arrogant. I think it's overlooking some major differences. And it's a nice attempt to dissolve the conflict between competing religious truth claims. It's a nice attempt to dissolve the conflict. But it's not respecting the differences between faiths. Okay? No true Muslim. You would insult a Muslim if you told them, that the God of the Christians is the same as Allah. That would be a total insult, because no true Muslim would say that Allah is three in one. And if you're talking with a Hindu, the incarnation of Christ is foundational in a way that is significantly different than the doctrine of, of the avatar for the Hindu faith. The whole common denominator approach to truth claims seems like it's a real humble approach. Aren't we all just saying the same thing? But really, it's arrogance. It's arrogance. Really, it's a claim of superiority when you take that vantage point of saying, I'm looking at all the world's religions. And I basically, I I think, and I deduce that they're all dealing with the same reality, but they're all incomplete and even misguided in some places. That's arrogance. you need to do your homework a little more before you make a statement or a claim like that. Okay? Don't insult people of other faiths like that. And don't insult your own faith, the the Christian faith. Okay? Jesus is Lord. I I know another thought might come in your head, like, well, how how can that be universally true? True for everybody. If Jesus showed up in history in a certain place in a certain time, uh, I mean, isn't that unfair? I mean, shouldn't all people at all times have immediate access to God and this truth? You know what? Jesus did come... At a specific time and a specific place in history. And it is particular. But just because Jesus came into history and made a truth claim that he is Lord. It doesn't mean that this can't be true for all people in all times. Einstein. Einstein's truth claims about special and general relativity are still universal claims. Even though Einstein was a German Jew living in the first part of the 20th century. Einstein's truth claims couldn't have merged at an earlier time in history, but we don't get mad and say, "Well, relatively is, the, the theory of relativity by Einstein is only for people in our day. It was true for people before, even though they didn't know about it. Jesus is Lord." So are you saying, so you're saying all other religions or other religious beliefs are irrational? Rationality and truth are two different things. The rationality of a belief has to do with the way a belief is justified or what reasons can be given in support of it. Sometimes these reasons are based in other background beliefs in a person's worldview. So it's rational within a Buddhist or Hindu worldview to believe that a person's present life situation, like, like uh, not being able to bear children, has been determined by her actions in a previous life. It was rational for our ancestors to believe in a universe that revolved around the earth when they didn't have access to astronomical data or cosmological theories. But whether these beliefs are true is another question altogether. It's another question altogether. So a person can accept the rationality of many beliefs, ideas, thoughts, and philosophies we encounter while still denying that most of them are true. I can understand the rationality of of what this other person is thinking. But do I agree that's true? No. But I understand the rationality, why they think it's rational. As a Christ follower, when I say Jesus is Lord, I'm expressing my personal devotion and my commitment. But I'm also sincerely saying that Jesus is Lord of the world. I'm saying... In saying that, I can, I can still love people who think differently and believe differently. I can disagree and yet still accept a person without internalizing their belief as my own. I can still assert that Jesus is Lord without condemning them and yet still hope and pray that all people would also make Jesus their Lord. I can do that. I think you guys can too. As Christ followers, we need... The spiritual discernment, spiritual discernment to distinguish among those elements of the culture that the gospel affirms. In every culture, a culture in Southeast Asia, a culture in Africa, or a culture here in the States, there are good things and there are bad things according to the standard of God, Christ, and his word. And we've got to figure out what are those things in our culture that we can affirm and say, this is all right. This aligns. This aligns with the kingdom of Christ. But we also got to be able to distinguish the aspirations that only the gospel can fulfill. And then we also have to identify those elements that represent the demonic, which is anything that tries to usurp Jesus' throne in our lives. Those elements have got to be challenged by us. Let me tell you, I know that, that tolerance is, uh, is something that we talk about in our day, in our world, and I want you to know that, that um, I just want to give you a working definition, so people don't throw you off guard. Just to tolerate a belief or practice implies that we recognize that a belief or practice is differently, genuinely different from our own, and, we, and, and to be tolerant, we can disagree, with a belief or disapprove of a practice and at the same time we don't coerce or absorb their belief into ourselves but we give social and legal space for them to breathe we can be tolerant but I tell you where we can't be tolerant when it comes with ourselves and this throne right here in our hearts that's where tolerance ends in us inside when there's a philosophy or an idea in me that is competing for the allegiance to Jesus Christ. It's got to go. And this is where each of us has to be an intolerant. Those things that challenge my personal devotion, commitment, and try to unseek Christ from the throne of my life, those things have to be taken captive, removed, and demolished.